Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't know. After I was on the show and I got to know like the fan base of the show and stuff, you could kind of tell what type of guys the girls watching the show would typically go after, which is like a white dude with a beard and like a conservative haircut, right? Like that's pretty much like, you know what I mean? Like that's pretty much the type of dude that gets cast for the show. Yeah. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. This week on The Bachelor, the greatest seasons ever, ABC is just keeping us in the purgatory of 2016 with JoJo Fletcher's brutal, like literally brutal season of The Bachelorette also known as the Trumpiest season of The Bachelorette ever. Yeah, it's bad. A lot of Trump bros. So almost immediately after Ben Higgins told JoJo that he loved her and then dumped her at the proposal altar, you may remember that we covered it last week, JoJo was already sequined up meeting new bachelors and yes, meeting some who went on to, for example, date Tommy Laren or be really overt bigots on social media, <clears throat> James Taylor. And they all had the exact same haircut. As noted white nationalist Richard Spencer. Just a yeah. delightful bunch. <laughs> uh, but before we dig in, it's time for some calls to action. This week, uh, as Pride Month is coming to a close, uh, we were encouraging everyone to donate to the Black Trans Travel Fund. Um, they describe themselves as a grassroots mutual aid-based organization developed for the purpose of providing Black transgender women with the financial resources necessary for them to be able to self-determine and access their safest travel options. So, you know, Black trans women are a very vulnerable group. Um, they experience a high rate of violence. So it's really important for them to be able to get from place to place safely uh, and we will have the link to donate in our show notes for this week. We also just want to circle back to the Bachelor Diversity Campaign, because of course, ABC has taken some steps in the right direction, casting Matt, apologizing for the way that the show has handled race, um, specifically from the executive producers, um, providing more links to resources about Black Lives Matter, um, on social media channels, but there are a lot of other action items that that campaign was calling for that haven't been committed to. And, you know, I think we really all need to seize this moment um, because we don't know the next time that an opening like this might 
come around where the network is actually forced to consider people of color, consider anti their anti-racist uh, audience. And so I think, you know, just keep tweeting at the producers. Um, if you haven't signed the petition, definitely sign the petition and follow Batch Diversity on all of their social accounts because they'll be pushing out, you know, more of those specific asks. Yeah. And always in general, every week is a good week to stay engaged. Make sure you're keeping up with the news. Make sure that you are finding ways to stay involved locally um, and to make sure that you're part of the conversation um, around Black Lives Matter. So let's dig into JoJo's season, which to be honest, I had I had mostly forgotten. I don't know if that's because it was four years ago or if it was because I blocked out being doxxed by one of its stars or if it's because we had to do a video component for the podcast that season and we watched all a lot the episodes of <laughs> in our very hot, unair-conditioned studio until well after midnight. Um, but I was reminded this week, it was a pretty high octane season, uh, not always for good reasons. Yeah, Chris Harrison opens this recap by telling us that this is the season that brought us, quote, one of the most outrageous bad boys, Chad Johnson. You know, I prefer to call him the toxic, violent asshole who doxed Claire and was arrested for domestic violence, but, you know potato, potato. Um, and I just really think we need to ban the term bad boys from our vocabulary. It doesn't really mean anything if they're actually bad. Maybe don't make that sexy. If they're not actually bad, why are you calling them bad? Just let's, let's leave that one uh, in the past, Chris. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a pro badness in men phrase. So like, <laughs> is that something we need in 2020? I don't think so. Um, but, you know, Chad was, like, the most aggro of the dudes, like, slimly over Alex, uh, the Marine, who was also quite invested in his toxic masculinity. But the season, like, had a trend, and it was really Trumpy bros mixed with really soft, tender boys. Um, and it created a really interesting mixture that affected, I think, a lot of the season. But, you know... We have some standouts. Uh, you guys may remember uh, Jordan. He's the one who won. He's Aaron Rodgers' brother. Uh, James Taylor, the guitar-playing softie who turned out to be a huge bigot. Um, and then all the guys with identical haircuts. Just a real cast of characters, some of whom went on to appear on a handful of other shows and have really become lasting figures uh, in the Bachelor universe like Wells, who's the forever bartender of this franchise. Um, you know, JoJo really was the best bachelorette with the absolute worst taste in men. Like, she is dynamic and beautiful and fun and sharp and witty and also tends to be really into kind of shitty, boring, bigoted men. So, eh. It was it was really a mixed bag, and that really stood out watching, um, you know, watching back last night. I think one of the major themes that we need to touch on for this season was the just crazy cesspool of toxic masculinity that was present throughout the cast and like all of the dates. 
It, it was just, yeah, it, it was, was just basically everywhere. its own character. <laughs> it was just everywhere. It was, the whole thing was just a stew of toxic masculinity. Um, I mean, for one thing, all of the dates uh, seem designed to show off macho-ness. There, there's a date where they all train to be firefighters, um, you know, and Wells, who is not a firefighter um, or any, or a CrossFit hero or anything of the sort, ended up getting sort of pilloried the whole date for, for being too weak to perform as a firefighter at a moment's notice. Um, and Jojo, it weirdly just seems really drawn to the, the tough guy, like beefcake men. But also when Wells almost passes out, she, she's into that too. She, she gives him some special attention. She is really touched by how hard he's trying. Like, I love that Jojo just contains all of these contradictions in her taste in men. It was really interesting also to watch Chris Harrison grapple with the way that specifically Wells was portrayed on the season. You know, Wells is a character who was like roundly mocked for not making out with Jojo quickly enough. Like Robbie's like, what's he doing? I haven't been able to keep my hands off her. And just yeah, like, don't brag about that. Yeah, dude. it was weird and gross. Um, and <laughs> Chris Harrison, you know, Wells then went on to be, again, this, like, really popular figure in the franchise. He is now engaged to Sarah Hyland, a very famous actress. So he is, like, a beloved and valuable member of this franchise now, um, which I'm not sure that production necessarily thought would be the outcome when, you know, he was on JoJo's season. And Chris is like, dude, it's, like, so confusing to see you then and then see the man you are now and i love that wells is just like well like that guy on the show is this is this guy like i'm still the same i just felt like super awkward in all of the weird uncomfortable situations that you guys put me in and i wasn't trying <laughs> to force a woman to kiss me chris can't uh, handle the cognitive dissonance no. of being friends with the man who can't just like swoop in for the kill with a kiss like like a real like a real alpha would you know exactly um so they have wells on to to give commentary all the way through the first part of the episode with sarah highland and sarah is forced to just repeatedly defend wells against the implication from chris harrison that that her fiance is a huge embarrassing loser who can't kiss very odd but i did love that she was like you know what um if he had been an overly aggressive bro who insisted that Jojo suck his face immediately, I probably wouldn't have been that into him, uh, which is a fair point. And and I think, you know, Claire and I felt the same way watching Wells. Yes, which Uh, is why we're engaged to Wells now Exactly. We're just like Sarah Highland. Yes. Um, I did kind of feel like Sarah was the real star of this segment because she's wearing a vote t-shirt the whole time. And like before she gets cut off, she yells, everyone remember to register to vote, like very quickly. Like she was clearly like planning this and Wells even comments, (laughs) Oh, she got it in. <laughs> but here's the thing. They could have edited it out, you know? Yeah. They're, and they, they were like, they're like, we'll give her that. We'll give her that. You know, I was like, go Sarah. <laughs> so we need to talk about Chad. Um, oh, God. Chad, He's a- I, he sucked <sighs> up so much of the air in the season. And what's, what's weird to me about Chad is like, he was so entertaining, but also so terrible like there are points early in the season where he seemed like he was going to be a fun villain 
you know, like he, he has funny little lines. He said like weird things and ate meat in a very specific way. Like just those oddities that like, okay, this guy's an aggro douchebag, but he's yeah. kind of like entertaining. Like his cockiness is sort of entertaining. Yeah. And he was oblivious to humor in a way that was itself funny. Like when they yeah. went on that first group date at ESPN and all the guys have to do the the football touchdown celebrations and then fake propose to Jojo. And he's like, I don't get why they keep being like, I love everything about you. They don't even know her. Like, yeah, no, Chad, they know a, they're being funny. It's a contest thing. You just, it's a, it's, it's a like funny a, contest. It out. Yes. But then things just, uh, took a very dark turn. Yeah, I mean, first he does call JoJo naggy when she critiques his fake proposal during this, uh, which objectively this sucked. So, and and it, he starts off the, his trend of of always saying, you know, of always suggesting that people are causing him to do things with their words. So, you know, if she's going to be naggy, he's just going to have to call that out. That's just how it is. And later, if someone is going to keep saying something that he doesn't like, he's just going to have to punch them. Like, there's or no other way to get them their to legs and their arms and their head and throw their bloodied torso into the pool. It's just the kind of thing that is out of your control, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're the ones who are he in was, control. They right. need to change their behavior. To it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we very quickly turn from this like misogynistic campiness to just like outright threats of violence. And because the big chunks of the cast are similarly like aggro, aggro and, and prone to shows of uh, masculinity in a in the very specific traditional kind of toxic sense he gets into it with a lot of them specifically you know alex who's wielding his marines credentials and they're just like both threatening to punch each other um yeah alex and and chad both project a lot of insecurity about their masculinity like they both seem constantly to want to prove to the other person and America that they would definitely win a fight, which they're not going to have, but like they would have it. It's the other guy who's scared. Like I do it. Come at me, bro. Like that's the vibe of their interaction for the entire first half of the season. And it's Um, exhausting. And everyone is on Alex's side at first, of course, because Chad is so unpleasant, Um, except for Daniel, Uh, the Canadian model um that with the body of a lamborghini we sadly did not revisit his <laughs> statements to that effect um but daniel is chad's only ally um and finally has to ask chad to tone it down because he's starting to look bad associating with him like if and he says you know let's say you're hitler and chad says please don't say i'm hitler <laughs> and daniel's like all right donald trump the which, next thing down which you know the the longer we sit with Donald Trump, the more that comparison feels apt. So perhaps Daniel had some insight. He's like, you can <laughs> still be bad, but just don't advertise it as much so that it doesn't reflect so badly on me. Like Mussolini also bad, but people don't think about Mussolini first, right? He was a little more subtle with his badness. Or George Bush also, you know, he went on More a subtle campaign to be like, my real calling is painting portraits of dogs. And wouldn't it be great if Chad had taken that approach for Daniel? Um, he doesn't. 
No. He does not. He, you know, continues with the outright threats of violence. Uh, and then after Evan, oh, poor sweet Evan, who I just love so much, um, <laughs> does a stand-up act that shades Chad for using steroids. Chad physically assaults him and punches a door. Uh, and I want to just say he physically assaults him two times. Um, first, he rips Evan's shirt while Evan is returning to his seat. And then he later shoves Evan in the throat, which is apparently a thing. And, and he punches still the door. Does not get kicked off the show, although they do bring a security guard out for show. I mean, it was, God, this season was just like there would have been an inordinate amount of toxic masculinity without Chad. And then Chad like tripled it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so much revisiting it. There's such a high density in the recap of overt threats of violence. Um, I mean, he eventually tells Jordan, you know, this might be a show, there might be cameras and guards, but the show's going to end and I'm going to come find you, basically. Um, So then when Alex and Chad inevitably are sent on a two-on-one into the woods, both wielding bladed tools, because that seemed like a good idea to someone, um, Alex takes Jojo aside and says, Chad threatened to find Jordan after the show and, and attack him. And Jojo goes, Jordan, like <laughs> Jordan, Jordan, like the one I'm definitely going to be with after this. <laughs> um, and that was the end for Chad. I mean, she's not willing to risk Jordan. Yeah. Um, it also reminded me, you know, of something we talked about at the time, which was that Jojo really didn't see any of Chad's like escalating behavior except in very little snippets um, until this is brought to her attention and like they were just keeping this real violent abusive man around to possibly marry this their lead which doesn't sit great with me yeah it wasn't good no the idea that after he had uh, attacked another contestant um, during a date that they were like, it's fine with us if she eventually marries him. Um, that was troubling to me yes. at the time. Um, so Chad uh, finds out that Alex has sold him out and they have the really memorable interaction where Chad suggests that Alex have some milk and Alex says, I don't like milk. And Chad says, life ain't all blueberries and paper airplanes. And Alex is like, yeah, yeah. man. I agree with that. That's where, that is where we can agree. <laughs> and then Chad is sent off into the woods um, by Jojo to the joy and protein scattering of all of the men. Um, I mean, Wells really shined yeah. in the ceremonial uh, scattering of the protein powder. Yeah. And he refers to Chad as, quote, probably the worst person any of us have ever met. You know, I haven't met Chad, but I would agree with that. Yeah, that seems Um, accurate. Somewhere in the midst of this season, and I don't want to linger on this, but Chad had lost his mother some months before the show began, which is quite sad. And I think contributed to Jojo feeling like there was, there was more in Chad that like he was clearly grieving this profound loss. Um, But it ended up sort of becoming an excuse for him to, uh, to behave violently um, and to impose his will through violence or threats of violence um, because he was grieving 
And I took issue with that. Um, and Chad uh, tried to tweet my home address at one point in order to like, I guess he couldn't punch me in the face because he didn't know exactly where I was. So he was like, well, better find her address and make sure someone punches her in the face. Luckily, he's bad at doxing. Yeah. So tweeted not my the home wrong address. Not my home address. I hope that no one uh, ever got an unpleasant visitor at the address that he did tweet. But, you know, when we talk about Chad, uh, one of the rare Bachelor villains who has actually really personally berated me. So when Chris Harrison said everyone who has been personally berated by Chad, raise your hand, I, I raised my hand. I, I mean, couldn't I couldn't help but raise my hand. You cannot tell a lie. I so, can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other group of men that we wanted to talk about on this season were the soft boys who really just rose up from the ashes and became, I'd say, three of the biggest success stories in Bachelor Nation. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have Evan, Wells, and Derek. None of them seem like huge contenders because JoJo's type was so obviously sort of the meathead. Um, but she ended up taking these three guys pretty far. Like she clearly enjoyed all of them. So she ended up with this unusual mix of really sensitive guys who, um, you know, Wells was more of like, a, he's a radio DJ. He was more of a, a jokester and they had good conversations. You know, Derek, such a sweetheart. Um, Evan too fell into that category and she she brought them longer than they might have made it on some other seasons despite the fact that she typically went for a different kind of guy and then they all ended up going on paradise uh, Evan met Carly on paradise and they got married and they have adorable kids now uh, Derek also had some notable stints on paradise and Wells became first the hottest commodity on the beach and then the permanent bartender, bartender. Yeah. Um, and all so they've all them, become huge figures in Bachelor Nation. And all three of them are in, you know, happy relationships now. Like, you just, you love to see it. Growth. You love to see that. You love to see it. I also just, my heart freaking melted when they, you know, they had Evan and Wells t- come on to check in about Chad rather than giving Chad any more airtime himself, thank God. Um, and... And I just loved, first of all, Evan's great self-awareness about, you know, the way he was framed as not the alpha male. And, and then when they brought Carly and their kids out and they saw that Wells was on the screen as well. And Bella just says like, bye, Wellsy. And it was just adorable. Just imagine, think of all <sighs> of the kids <sighs> of, of Bachelor pairings that are old enough to talk now. It honestly I know, it freaks me out. It's really cute. <laughs> um, also, I think that Evan and Carly's baby Chuck uh, looks kind of like Claire's son, Matt. Just, <laughs> just two soft boys in the making. Oh, I'll take it. He's very cute. <laughs> uh, so, and we... Derek, we do get a full segment on because he made it quite far um, and he had a very memorable exit. So they devote a full highlight to, to Derek. Um, mostly his exit mostly to his and exit. his extended <laughs> weeping. And I had, you know, obviously remembered this because Derek is good and self-aware and there's lots of great gifts of him crying all over the internet. But I had <laughs> forgotten the extensive uh, dialogue, the monologue, well, monologue that- the extensive monologue that occurs in which he's like grappling with his own emotional response. Aww. You know, he says first, which I thought was hilarious is I'm Derek. 
and Derek is imperfect. And I was like, Derek, literally, why were you referring to yourself in the third person? This is how much they psychologically break people during their yeah. exits. They're like, like, I, I have never, to dissociate from myself. Yeah, to I was like, I've never this. heard him speak this way. Um, <laughs> you know, and then he he's crying and he looks at the camera and he's like, what? Why am I crying? <laughs> Which is just such yeah. a delightful and hilarious moment of self-awareness. Yeah, he does during his check-in uh, with Chris Harrison. He says, you know, I grew up with a work really hard and never cry sort of ethos. And so this was a moment when the dam broke and now he's a very tender, sensitive, emotional person. I guess. Sometimes. In the best way. The Bachelor uh, provides growth, as we've said. and It really does. And Derek is lovely. So I'm I'm glad that it did that for him. Yeah. And anyone who listens to this show know that we just love to see tender, uh, you know, shows of, of male emotion and this was this was a great one, especially set to Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. I mean, the brilliance. <laughs> um, and then we, we do get into all of the top guys who just blend together. They have the same haircut. They're all kind of stoic or at least boring white guys. Who love Fox News. Who, <laughs> who love Fox News. And most of whom, you know, had kind of bad post-show arcs. You know, yeah. we we have Luke who was on the show beloved. Beloved. He wa- he wa- had a huge bachelor campaign. He was a veteran. He w- seemed very um, like tender-hearted. He really he could fell actually, for Jojo. You know, express himself in <laughs> complete complex sentences, which by the end was a rarity. Yeah, but he did struggle to say I love you to Jojo. Um he ended up saying it right before the rose ceremony after hometowns when she ultimately sent him home, which created a very emotional moment because she freaked out. She was like, should I reconsider? Should, does this change things? And then she sends him home anyway, after he's just said, I love you. Um, So they had this really heart wrenching goodbye. And then he was maybe going to be the bachelor, but it turned out he was just like sleeping with everyone um, and cheating on people. There was a whole like, reputational crisis he was not the bachelor we didn't really hear from him for a while he still has a a pretty sturdy fan base and he's a singer um so he's been working in that area and i think that they try to give him a little redemption here chris has him on checks him in with him he's in nashville um and he said he'd be open to coming on bachelor in paradise so uh yeah i wonder if we will see him as one of those kind of like old time exciting throwback uh contestants on a on a future season when they can guys are all like who is this dude i've never heard of him and the women are all like oh my god oh my god luke he'll be that guy yeah uh and then we go to chase and robbie who to be honest like robbie i have literally nothing to say about him except that he looked like a ken doll and also had the personality of a ken doll and like I fail on rewatch to see any reason why Jojo would be into him. He's the number two guy in the season. And yet I remember nothing about him except that his hair and his beard look like they snap on. And that and he that then he was... went, went on to do many a trashy reality TV show. He, he did show up on Vanderpump Rules. He was on X on the Beach. He has a terrible reputation as well um, in terms of cheating 
on on women, including I guess Amanda Stanton. It just he's yeah. he's a mess. Yeah, it was Amanda's I think second really bad Bachelor in Paradise relationship, um, which was unfortunate. Um, Chase, I do find more memorable despite him being also very stoic because when he does come out with something, it's always a very interesting formulation. You know, he, on their fantasy suite date, they go fishing and he says a number of things. For example, we're in this magical place with monkeys, fishermen, saltwater, and fish. And there was no and Claire, just, <laughs> just a trailing fish. list. It's just, he was just listing everything he saw. And yeah. He's like, I spy a water, water. <laughs> um when he tells her that night that he loves her she says thank you for telling me that and then she's like now that you've said that i feel like i will never love you and he says i jumped over a hurdle i've never jumped over before and now i'm skewered which is a visual that i didn't <laughs> need like i was like you're really describing a very graphic thing that could happen to someone chase <laughs> and i wonder why you chose to put it that way um they have a very rough a rough goodbye i'd forgotten he was quite angry that she had let him go that way i i assume and which kind of makes sense thinking back on it that like production had pushed him really hard to say Mm -hmm. it and you could sort of feel that anger at the time um but look my empathy for him is just a little bit limited he did go on to date tommy laren who is one of the worst people on the internet so yeah, yeah, not not great showings from from this season of guys. Um, but she does ultimately end up with Jordan Rogers, um, who got the first impression rose. She was clearly super into him from day one. It's the the only question ever was, is he taking this seriously or is this something that he's doing to like up his profile because he wasn't as successful at football as Aaron Rodgers. Like, is he just going to be a guy who's trying to cling to the outskirts of fame and like meet hot girls, date models, be a player basically. Um, But he convinces Jojo that he's really into her and he proposes. And Chris Harrison says, I never get tired of watching that, which leads me to wonder how often Chris just rewatches proposals of it's other just, people. It's just what he and his son, who recently graduated, <laughs> um, have been doing together. It's just yeah. a good, clean family fun. And uh, and jo- Jojo and Jordan are still together. So that yeah, you know, shows four years later. You know, I I, I kind of love to see a bachelor couple that has really gotten to know each other and has they talk about the way that you know their first year together, which a lot of a lot of couples who come off the show that the scrutiny is very intense. Um, and so they say, you know, that we had a real conversation where we were like, are we going to make the decision to be in this or is this not going to work and we should part ways? And he's like, you know, the conversation ended with us deciding to recommit and it's been four years. They, they clearly sold off that tacky Neil Lane engagement <laughs> ring and Jordan reproposed with, very beautiful ring. Their wedding was supposed to be during COVID. So it has now been postponed to next year. But Chris does have JoJo's parents bring over a a wedding cake to her house while they're filming. And that was very sweet. Um, JoJo and Jordan honestly are one of the rare couples that have charmed me more in just the things I've seen from them post-show. 
um, they just, it's very clear that they have a lot of mutual respect and love and care for each other. And I, you know, you, you love to see it. And I'm very glad for her. She didn't choose Robbie. Me too. I mean, can you imagine how that would have gone? (laughs) Terribly. Yeah. Uh, Usually when a show relationship falls apart pretty soon after, I'm like, probably the same thing would have happened if she picked the runner up, but just imagine Robbie versus how well things have gone with Jordan. I mean, yeah. thank God. Um, but some things were left out, obviously. I mean, once again, the show um, is incredibly white because none of the top handful of guys who get spotlighted are men of color. Um, same yep. old, same old. In fact, there isn't even very much variation within the white guys that no. they have because so many of them have the same color and cut of hair and uh, body shape and attitude. Um, But we do get left out specifically James Taylor um, and who was like such a sweetheart of the show. Like he was one of the soft boys. He felt like he was not handsome enough for Jojo. He was insecure but he played guitar. So like he had that kind of underdog appeal to a lot of women who watched the show. And then since leaving the show has made a name for himself in Bachelor Nation by just tweeting really bigoted things and feuding with more progressive people in Bachelor Nation like Ashley Spivey. Yeah, you know, he he's definitely like of the ilk that believes like coronavirus was a hoax or at least believed that at one point he's tweeted horrific misogynist stuff um horrific transphobic things he's full MAGA so you know honestly I was glad to see him uh get no airtime yeah exactly um we also never got into the whole uh plot line around uh Aaron Rodgers being absent which I remember being quite a thing on the show that Jordan and his family was not really in close touch with with his brother anymore it came up a lot on the hometown but they really leaned out of the Aaron Rodgers stuff and gave Jordan more room to stand on his own in this in this recap and we didn't get one of our favorite moments of the season which was Derek explicitly calling out Chad's misogyny and I remember being like shocked that the word misogyny was used on the show yeah, I mean, there was so much Chad content that I hesitate to say there should have been more in this recap, but that was a, a little moment that I really I really appreciated in the season, yeah. would have liked to revisit. Um, but, you know, you can't cover everything. I think that we've we've hit all of the, the top points. I think so. So let's let's finish up by discussing the quarantine check-in, which was Tyler C., and Matt James, the new Bachelor. Also known as Tyler C.'s best friend. Oh, yeah. I well, mean, Rachel have... was really <laughs> correct with yeah. the, you know her assessment that they are bringing in a Black Bachelor who is just attached at every moment to one of the most popular of all time uh, white contestants. But their friendship does seem very lovely. Tyler has just some beautiful quarantine hair happening and yeah great facial hair like he's just a very beautiful man 
Yeah, watching, so he and Evan both have very clear quarantine hair and watching the difference made me think about how it is when I see a hairstyle work on like someone, like a model and I'm like, I'm cute, I could do that. And then I do and I'm like, not that cute. Like it doesn't work for me. That's not a good look for me. Uh, Tyler is just, he can just pull stuff off and it's not fair. It's not fair. Um, He also talks about how resourceful he and his friends are. He's like, yeah, we're getting through it. We're, you know, we're finding ways to, you know, like if it's raining, we'll go skimboarding on the lawn of our house. I was like, yeah, that's what resourcefulness is, is finding ways to have fun with your expensive sporting equipment and home. Yeah, you know, it's just exactly (laughs) what I do in my 450 square foot apartment. The same thing. Listen, we're all doing our best. Yeah. Um, So they bring Tyler out first to basically set Matt James up and talk about how great Matt is um, and then bring out their new bachelor um, once the the warm-up has been done. Uh, I mean, which look, does really harken back to what Rachel yeah. said. But he is um, very charming and very hot. So. Yeah, that's all you need. I mean, he he tells us a little bit more about, about himself and his family. He says his mom wants a basketball team of grandkids. Um, so no time to waste. She's, she's really ready for him to settle down. Um, and he said, you know, he's heard from a lot of his Black friends who don't really watch the show that they're excited that he's being given this opportunity and that he's gonna get to show a diverse relationship. So he seemed to be saying, you know, that, that, that he's getting a lot of positivity from, from all the people in his life um, and seems really, really pumped to get started. Yeah, I'm pumped to also, watch a season. Let's let's get filming. I know. I'm ready. I did love, though, that like you could tell Chris just was like, I'm not equipped to even say the word Black. So he's like, ah, yes, we all knew you were the right pick, Matt. Thank you. Yes. Cannot <laughs> wait. Don't say the word diversity, Chris. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know when the next time we'll see. Like, we're, usually we would get to know The Bachelor a little bit during the, the previous season of The Bachelorette. I don't know if they're going to keep trying to check in with him so that we start to build more of a rapport rapport. like they could they've never really picked a bachelor ahead of a bachelorette season like this that i know of where they could try to to work that in in some way in some sort of check-in or guest appearance i would be curious to see if they if they tried that who knows i would like to get to know him a little bit more before his season starts but we have a long time to wait that brings us to the end of our first part of uh, our episode and we're going to take a quick break but when we get back we're going to get to hear from grant kemp about his experience on jojo season this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me bothering me about something in my life and i just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually 
work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 
timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And now back to the show. You know, we got to hit on some highlights and of course lowlights from Jojo's season during Monday night special, but we wanted to continue digging deeper into the stories of contestants who didn't get as much screen time. This week we chatted with Grant Kemp who appeared on Jojo's season of The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise 3. What's up, guys? My name is Grant Kemp. I was on JoJo's season of The Bachelorette, and I live in L.A. Grant, thank you so much for joining us today. We really had a great time revisiting JoJo's season uh, during this week's episode. Did you watch the episode, the recap episode at all? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I actually, I didn't I didn't watch the episode because I actually was in a studio session, to be completely honest with you, um, doing a song last night. And like, 
you know, I don't know. I was there. I remember everything that happened. So like, I don't really need to watch myself on TV again, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, I guess it would kind of be cool, but um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not one to watch, watch my shows really ever. That's totally fair. I don't even like to hear my own voice replayed <laughs> on the podcast. So if there was like yeah. a visual element as well, like that's just a whole, whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> How did you end up being cast on The Bachelorette in the first place? Oh, this is a funny question. And, and a lot of people are really surprised by this. Um, I was actually at work one night and I had just gotten back into um, modeling and stuff. And like my, my, my booker at the time was like super all over the place. He would like miss castings and stuff for me sometimes. So I would kind of go on the casting websites and see if he missed anything that he didn't submit me for. Um, and I was clicking around and like, I ended up on, uh, you know, commercials and then it ended up going into reality TV, you know, I was just bored and I see this, this, uh, advertisement for like the bachelorette and it's like this, it's like this website and it has like the, O is the ring. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, oh, it's, this is that one show. And like, I remember the only time I would watch the show is if like a girl forced me to, you know what I mean? And I was like, all right, whatever. And I used to, I used to make fun of it, you know? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put my name in. Like, who cares? Because I was, I was just messing around. So I remember you're supposed to put like, like 25 pictures of yourself uploaded. And then like this big, this big bio about why you should be on the show and then submit like a 12 minute video of you talking about why you should be on the show or something like that, something along those lines. Right. And so I, I uploaded three pictures and I said, um, I'm nice, I'm thoughtful and I can always make people laugh and just click submit. And like the next day, at noon, I'll never forget, I got a missed call, a voicemail, and an email, like, within 12 hours, and I was like, this, this, this can't be a joke, like, I didn't tell anybody I submitted for this, you know what I mean, like, I guess I'll call them back or whatever, and then um, I did a Skype interview with them that night, and I happened to be at the fire station, so of course I wore my uniform, you know, because why not, right, and uh, <laughs> so I Skyped with them, I remember it was like, a couple women and they seemed excited and then a week later they flew me to LA and like a month after that I was on the show so that's 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 how it ended up working out for me like I you know I had no intention of ever going on the show I, it was just a joke <laughs> and they were like but we want to be in the Grant Kemp business immediately they were very excited <laughs> yeah I think there was a reason for that because of you know you know I think that they were lacking a lot of black guys on the show and they saw my application and I mean, from a marketing standpoint, they were like, we gotta go with this guy. Like, I, I mean, to be straight up, that's, that's, my, that's my thoughts on it. I could be wrong, who knows, but like, I think, I think that's why I got a call back so quick. I think my, my application went, went into like a different section <laughs> or something, if you know what I mean. Right, but did, did that come up at all during casting or? with production while you were in the house? Did, was race ever discussed openly at all? It was never openly discussed. Um, but I mean, you could kind of tell from like, I don't know, after I was on the show and I got to know like the fan base of the show and stuff, you could kind of tell what type of guys the girls watching the show would typically go after, which is like a white dude with a beard and like a conservative haircut, right? Like. <laughs> That's pretty much like, you know what I mean? Like that's pretty much the type of dude that gets cast for the show. Yeah. And so I think when like, when casting and, you know, at ABC found me, they were like, damn, like this guy, 
He's a model. He's a firefighter. He counts as black, but he's not super black. So like, he's still, you might be able to take him home to your dad. Type oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that's, that's kind of the vibe they got off me. And so that's why yeah. I kind of got cast for the show over a guy that would speak like your typical black guy or is a little more black than me or, or whatever. Right. Because it's, you know, it's, it's marketing and the fan base of the show is girls that are white. To be honest with you, the, most of the girls who watch the show are white. So it's like, I get why they picked me over, you know, another type of black guy to be on the show. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It is a very, I mean, very sense, white right? audience. Yeah. Very, very white <laughs> and uh, and racist audience in a lot of ways. Yeah. So yeah. 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 And I think um, it's good for us to just like be honest about that. And it yeah. definitely impacts casting. Did yeah, you see? Sure. Did you see um, the former casting producer Jazzy, who wrote an open letter to Bachelor production um, on social media? I haven't was, I haven't seen the letter. I mean, I can kind of maybe think sure of what the guess. letter might have been about. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She she was saying that she was brought on, you know, during Rachel's season and um then cast for the following few and um was was explicitly told you know don't cast women with locks or you know um, yeah yeah and that that yeah. anti-blackness felt really present to her. yeah have, yeah i mean because that's i i totally believe that i mean without even you telling me what the open letter said i can i mean i can probably guess you know what she was probably mad about or whatever you know what i mean because they do if you think about it you know i i mean i went to school for like marketing right so if i see a crowd of people i'm gonna think okay how can i appease this crowd and keep you know sales up from them right so it's like it's the same when it comes to producing movies and stuff like that in the entertainment industry it's like a lot of you know of the big directors like they don't want to take a chance on that because they know that this is probably going to work better and it's probably going to sell more because of their because of their consumer base, you know what I mean? So that's why, you know, those, that's, that's why those things are in place because the people watching the show, they, they can almost know that they're not gonna like it or accept it as much, you know? That's really what it comes down to, it's just numbers. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that like after you finished filming, you got more of a sense of the audience and like, what might have been playing into casting's decision there when uh -huh. you were filming or like going into the show or while you were filming was this something you had any sense of like when you were in the house when you looked around when you dealt with producers or talked to the other guys did you get a sense of the bachelor's relationship with with race or was it something that didn't really sink in until you got off the show you know i I pretty, I was, I got a little bit of it. Like I sort of understood um, because I did watch the show enough to kind of know what the fan base was. And so going into it, I kind of knew, I was like, okay, this is how this is going to be. Like it, it's definitely not going to be a house that represents, you know, all of the different races that are in this country, right? Like it's not going to be an even split. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. going to be what the girls that watch the show typically would want to see, right? And that's the thing like that. I wasn't surprised by it at all. I mean, it wasn't any different for me than any other guy while I was filming the show. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, even with, um, you know, the way that 
you know, even the themes of certain things that, that you do on the show are, are typically something that, I don't know, it's sort of hard to explain. Like most of the activities and the, and the themes of what you do on the show are pretty white, if that makes sense. It, yes, it does. You know what I mean? I, I don't even know how else to explain it, but it's like just the little, um, just the way that the show is guided is like kind of like that. Cause I've grown up in areas that are almost like all white. Right. So it's like, I've, I've grown up around the people that lock their doors when like I walk by their car in a parking lot. Right. Like I grew up with those people. So it's like, I know how they think. And I know those, I know those types of themes and stuff. And so that's kind of the theme that carried that's carried through most seasons. Um, Mm. which isn't surprising yeah it's culturally very white in addition yeah. to being just like in terms of casting casting it's got a very white culture and that definitely carries over to what we see in terms of post-show careers and you know just raw social media numbers and that's something that i saw that you had kind of spoken to page six about not the the way that race plays into that, but just the way that <laughs> social media has um, an increased relationship yeah. with with the show. How do you feel like the show has changed if it has? And, and how do you feel like Instagram and social media in general played into your season or the way that the guys on your season, you know, move forward with their careers or their platforms afterwards? Well, that's a really interesting question. I'm glad you asked me that because like when I was on JoJo season and then when I did Paradise um, right after that, I feel like though, like that year, like 2016-ish, like that year was the first year that like, um, you know, like the, the Bachelor in Paradise a year before that, like Jade and Tanner like left the show together and like they, their Instagrams like blew up and they were making all this money and there's all these articles about them making all this money, which like, which is cool, right? But then it, it was, that was that shift of the time where people's Instagram started blowing up and they started getting all these stupid brand deals and making a bunch of money, you know? And then, so there was this big shift of like, oh damn, like I can actually get a bunch of clout off this show because before when Instagram wasn't a huge thing, like people would go on The Bachelor and then like, that would be it. Like it would be kind of over because there was no, you know, riding it out and having people care about you for like the next year and a half until all the next seasons wash you out or whatever. Right. So, so like that was the big shift. And so now, I, I mean, you even noticed the trend when I was on Paradise, when, you know, even when I was on Paradise in Australia, like a year and a half, two years ago, like everybody's just trying to stay on the show as long as they can and get as much screen time as they can and, and find the person that's the most liked by the bachelor fan base so that they can get mm. the most attention and the most followers and the most, that's really kind of what the whole game is now. It's like, it's really not even about, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, I see the way people move and I see, I see right through it. Like people start talking before paradise starts and they start doing all these schemes and stuff like, and so it's really, that's, there's a big drive for that. But a lot of guys on my season, like they didn't even, they, they barely had any followers on Instagram. They didn't care. Like they weren't trying to be fashion bloggers. Like they just, they were just there on the show because their sister, or their cousin like submitted them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, the, like most of the guys on my season were never there. Like, Oh, I'm going to get all the sugar bear hair promos and I'm going to get the bad fit fun promos. Like they didn't care. Like, you know, but it's different because like, other people have different motives you know i'm not saying it's just girls or it's just guys like whatever but 
people know that shit because they all watch the show and they see how big people are on Instagram now. So that's, that's why I said that. I actually said that when I was on the red carpet at some event like a long time ago and they pulled that quote and like used it again because I dropped a song <laughs> with James Kennedy and it was like in the same interview. It was weird. Like I was like, I, I didn't say that. And I was like, oh wait, I did say that. <laughs> they like, they like archived my quote and then like and then used it. I was like, damn, you guys are, you guys are crafty with this. Like, little, Who can yeah, remember anyways, everything they've said to a I journalist, know, you know? I know. And nothing's <laughs> off the record. Uh, I mean, how did you experience that? Like when you, you went after uh, The Bachelorette, you, you did do Paradise. Did you find that there was like an impulse or did it just feel like practical to start leveraging that social media wise? Or were you like, that's not really why I'm involved? Like, did it become sort of seductive? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's kind of weird because like I, I was doing like fitness modeling and stuff like before I went on the bachelorette so I, I might maybe had like nine or ten thousand followers or something from that but like i didn't really think anything of it like i used to have companies trying to send me free clothes and protein powder and stuff and i always just didn't care you know i didn't think anything of it right but then you know when i really when my instagram got bigger was when i left paradise with my ex um because they saw us as like a celebrity couple, right? We left the show together, blah, blah, blah. And then we ended up getting our own show with like Lauren and Ben and the twins on Freeform called Happily Ever After. Then we were like doing activities with each other and stuff. And so that was when really like all this stuff started kind of flying in. And, you know, all of a sudden we were invited to all these different events and functions and being hooked up with all these brand deals and stuff. And like, it was cool, but like, I, you know, I always made my own money. So I never really cared. You know, I wasn't like, I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like every now and then we'll get a big campaign for something or whatever, but I don't know. I never really got too sucked into it, but certain people like they, you know, they use it as an excuse to not work, which is a really bad idea because going on reality shows, it's not like, I mean, that's how the entertainment industry works. People don't understand that. Like you need to, unless you're on a show every single year, or you're in a movie every single year or you're on a series or something like people care about you for like five minutes and then they don't, you know? So those brand deals aren't going to keep coming. Yeah. So it's fleeting. It's yeah. And it's, it's really a sickness that a lot of people have these days because they, they get a little, like a little hint of that feeling like they're, they're famous or like they're important. And then they think that they've made it and they think that they're going to live off of like sugar bear hair and it's, it's not going to go down like that. Yeah, you know? no, it's definitely, I can like see how it would be seductive and also see yeah. how it would be so, so fleeting. Yeah. Uh, we want to get into a little bit of your time on JoJo season. Sure. One thing that really, I mean, stood out while we were watching it the first time, but certainly in the recap was that there were, there was a lot of kind of big shows of macho-ness yeah. on your cast and obviously Chad being kind of the embodiment of that what was it like being in the house amidst that kind of like really aggro conflict um I mean there was there was definitely a lot of like hostility but that was with everyone right like a lot of the guys like uh you could tell which guys had grown up playing sports and which guys hadn't which guys had been in fraternities which guys hadn't because most like certain guys aren't used to being in a house with a bunch of different guys, like all like having issues all at the same time, you know? 
Um, and most guys have never been in, in the position where they're all trying to date the same girl, you know, like it just doesn't, doesn't happen. Right. Like you just don't care really. And so with all that going and like with all the animosity towards each other already, Chad did a really good job of like stirring that up and messing with people because a lot of the times when the cameras were off, like Chad was fine, you know, but like, it was, it was, it was production that really got under people's skin about Chad and got, it was a whole synergistic approach to like getting a reaction from, from the things that Chad was doing, you know what I mean? And, and it worked on most people. Like, yeah, I got into it with, with, with Chad a couple of times, but like off camera, it was like, we were, we were pretty much fine. You know, there was never any moments where like we had to be broken up or separated or anything, but like, that's what happens when dudes are stuck in the same house and they're drunk and they're tired. Like they're just going to fight with each other, you know? <laughs> I mean, on this season, it seems like more than, more than most seasons, there was a yeah. lot of at least, at least big talk about fighting. I mean, yeah. did, so do you feel like <laughs> Chad was like playing it up by making these threats or do you think production was like finding a way to, sort of set him up to make comments like that? I think it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of both for sure. Because it, I mean, some people are very easily triggered and some people aren't, you know? And like, I mean, for me, I just didn't really allow it to trigger me the way it did other people. You know, I wasn't gonna sit there and beat my chest and scream and say all this stuff when I knew I wasn't gonna do it on, I'm not gonna fight somebody on TV, like, come on. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like of all places, like you're going to fight someone on TV. Like, yeah, right. Like that's, that's just not going to happen. So it's like, it's like save your breath and just don't say anything or just laugh it off or whatever. That was kind of my vibe with the whole thing. I was like, you guys realize this is a TV show. Like no one's going to fight. They're just no. going to say like, come at me, bro. Like a yeah. bunch of times yeah. or like, yeah. you want to take this outside? Yeah. 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 100%. Oh my God. Alex and Chad, it was just like, yeah re-watching yeah. that i'm just like nonsense after nonsense like yeah. threats of violence against yeah. each other while yeah. everyone just watched <laughs> yeah like, yeah i mean i thought it was entertaining but <laughs> it's interesting there are some parts that are entertaining and other parts where you're just like how is this allowed to continue <laughs> yeah 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 um, yeah I mean, once chad was like openly threatening murder i was like maybe maybe it's time <laughs> for him to go yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah. Did it surprise you that he was never sent home? Not considering... at all. No. no, no, no. It was great. I mean, I knew I, I was. I would like talk to the producers about this. I was like, "How much longer are you guys going to keep him here for? Like the ratings? Like how much longer are we going to squeeze this? Like how many more drops of ratings are we squeezing out of Chad?" And and they were like, "As long as we they were want. like, they were like probably more." Yeah, <laughs> they were like, "As long as." possible yeah. without someone actually being murdered a hundred percent yeah yeah like once he sort of physically thing. physically assaulted a, another contestant as a viewer i thought maybe this is where they'll draw the line but <laughs> and yeah. he just got a firm talk from chris harrison yeah exactly which um, yeah which makes people even more scared which which is really good for the ratings because then you can then then you can throw the ambulance scene in for the next preview and then you have people totally locked in there's got to okay. be at least one ambulance every show. Yeah, <laughs> they can use yeah. it to make it seem like murder has been committed. It's the biggest it's cliffhanger. always fun tease. Yeah, <laughs> reality TV, the biggest cliffhanger you can ever put in a preview is the ambulance, no matter what happens, even if it just drives by the whole set. 
It's true. Yeah. <laughs> the next show, you're like, oh my God, what happened? Uh. Yeah, it's always someone like having a panic attack, which, yeah, listen, literally. is very scary when it's happening to you. Um, so your season also took place in the lead up to the 2016 election, which, you know, uh-huh. was a big topic in the country at the time. Were you guys talking about politics at all in the House? You know what? It, it came up a little bit. Um, I remember having like, a, I vaguely remember having like a conversation with like Wells and like, I can't remember one of the other guys about it. And then um, things kind of shifted away from it. Like guys kind of didn't really want to get into it because I mean, you could tell, you know, kind of what people's views were pretty quickly just because you spend so much time with each other. And like that, that was one of those things where when you're filming a show like that, there's so many other things going on that it's like, it was pretty, pretty low on the, on the um, priority list for like conversation and stuff like that. And plus they really don't want to touch that stuff on the show anyways, because the whole show, they don't want to talk about any of that on the show. They'll never bring up politics on the show. So even if we would start talking about it, like it, it was something that wasn't going to be emphasized if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. The show likes to exist in this world where they pretend that like partnership doesn't require talking about things like yeah. political views and religion and yeah, yeah, values. Yeah. Just, it's easy to just push that stuff <laughs> off to the side. We don't need to deal with that now. It's like, yeah. yeah that's, Was that's it ever anything that came up with Jojo? Like, did you get the sense that, that she cared about where guys, you know, values lay in that way? You know what, like values, yeah, but um, politics, no. I mean, I think it was just mainly with her, it was like your actual core values, which is understandable. I would want to know someone's values too, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, probably should come up before you get engaged. Yeah. At least once or twice. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you would think. Brief conversation, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, so you made it to week five on your season. And for years there, and things were written about it at the time when, when your season aired, um, there's been discussion about how black contestants basically never make it past week five. I mean, the exceptions after your season being, you know, Rachel on Nick's season and Eric Bigger on Rachel's season. Is that something that you thought about when you were eliminated or when it aired and you kind of saw that being discussed? No, I mean, I really didn't think about it like in that regard at all. Um, I mean, it, for me, the way that things happened, um, they kind of happened for a reason because there was, you know, there was, there was definitely like a sexual connection between us. Not that we had sex obviously, but like there was a sexual connection between us, but like the other connections when it came to like other conversations that we had, I could tell weren't quite up, up, up to speed with that. Um, and then, you know, when I went home, it was kind of a weird situation because there was like a group date and like it, it ended because the whole thing got rained out and there was like this big South American storm that came through this, this group date that we were on. So like, I, I didn't really have any chance to spend time with her there. And then um, there's supposed to be like a cocktail hour and I was, you know, we were supposed to have this conversation about something and then there was a bunch of drama happening and like we kind of got, we didn't get into it, but like we had a conversation that was kind of uncomfortable. And then like, that's the reason that I went home. So it was like, it was kind of, I kind of knew that it was 
you know, like I was going home and it was because of, you know, things not working out with us. You know what I mean? It didn't really have anything to do with like production. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. Because there was definitely energy there. Like we were definitely interested in each other, but it just, it didn't work out for a reason. You know, it wasn't anything that production did or anything like that. So when I heard that stuff, I was like, I, I don't really think that that was, you know, the show's producers or anything like, like, okay, he's had enough time. Like we check, <laughs> we check the box. Like, okay, get him off the show. Like it, it wasn't anything like that, you know? So. Yeah. Do you remember what the conversation was that you guys had? I don't remember so much from this season. Um, yeah. I mean, there was, it had something to do with like her ex or something like that. And like it, it, it the conversation just didn't go well. <laughs> From what I remember, there was a bunch of drama going on or something, and it just, it just didn't go well. It didn't land. You were like, ah, okay, I see that yeah. this is coming to an end soon. Yeah. It may be my yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you ended up, obviously, we've mentioned going on to appear on other Bachelor shows. Why, why did you decide that you wanted to continue you know, with Bachelor Nation, what, what, did you have a good experience on The Bachelorette? Like, what did you hope to do on Paradise? Yeah, I mean, I had a good experience on The Bachelorette, you know, like the firefighter date, like for damn sure that was about me. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 they were giving me a layup with that date. Right. So I was like, all right, you know, like production likes me, you know what I mean? This is cool. And, you know, I was, I was treated well and everything. And that's why I went on Paradise was because I was like, this is, you know, this is a cool opportunity in the sense that like, yeah, I don't, it's, it's cool to be able to like not have a cell phone and, you know, just hang out on a beach and get to know people for who they are for a month and then see what happens because you really don't get that kind of setting at any other time. Right. Like if you, the way I put it, when everyone would ask, like, how do you leave the show in a relationship? Like, blah, 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 and all that. This is so crazy. It's only a month. And really, if you think about, you know, think about, you know, the last relationship you guys were in and how it started, right? Typically, if you meet somebody, you meet them out at Whole Foods, at a bar, at whatever, right? You know, so you meet them, you get their number, you wait like two days to text them because you don't want to seem thirsty. And then maybe a week later, you go on a date. And then, you know, you spend an hour, that whole week, you've spent an hour with them in person, getting to know them. And then you both probably have a job. Hopefully you have a job, you know, so you're busy during the week. Maybe you see them the next weekend, you know, maybe they spend the night, maybe they don't, depends on how conservative you are. I don't know. Then a couple of weeks go by and like, it's been a month and you're, you know, you might want to start to tell your friends about it. Like, Oh, I'm seeing this person like blah, blah, blah. And you've spent a total of like six hours with them and it's been a month, you know? So then you do that you start spending more time with each other. It's been like four months and you know, now you've spent, you know, 30 full days together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's like, like on, on overdrive. We always talk about it and I say, it's like, it's like bachelor summer camp. Like you're just, like a camp relationship you just spend all your time with someone and you're like the feelings yeah. came quick yeah so it's like yeah. you know people I mean that's kind of how people you see it seems so real on tv is because people talking to each other already know a lot about each other and that's why I right. wanted to that's why I was like I'll give this a second shot like I'll try this again because like that was cool um being in that setting where you don't have anything to focus on besides the people around you because it that, that's really most people don't get that opportunity as an adult 
um, because there's so much going on with work and everything else. Like you're not going to ever put your cell phone down for a month. Like, you're not going to put it down for two hours, you know? Yeah. It's really just like a, a cleanse in, in yeah. that regard. It's a social yeah. media cleanse, which I would love to yeah. have yeah, the opportunity same. to do. Yeah. We're all going to, we're all going to be on our phones the second this, this interview's over. You're, you're <laughs> both going to grab, we're all going to grab it. You know what I mean? It's, it's what's going to happen. It's true. It's an addiction. It's a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the bachelor diversity campaign that's been floating around the internet for the last few weeks? Yeah. Isn't it like some Instagram that they made or something like that? Yeah. And there's a petition um, asking production for, you know, a handful of actionable items, including like hiring a diversity consultant and hiring more producers of color and providing like mental health resources. Um, First of all, like what what do you think about that? And also, do you feel like do you feel like maybe now is a moment where audiences and you know bachelor alumni could actually successfully lobby the franchise for some real change when it comes to diversity and the way that the show treats people of color? You know what? Um, I think that like I don't know if any of the previous like contestants on the show or or anything are really going to jump on that on that train um i think that from a political standpoint with what's going on right now um the network doesn't have any choice but to acknowledge it or else there's going to be an even bigger problem um as far as like what's actually going to happen with you know bringing more diversity to the show Honestly, I think that I could see them attempting it. Um, it's just, it's just again, the fan base. Um, and you're not going to change the fan base and what they want to see, right? So, yes, it makes sense to petition for, you know, more change and having the show be more diverse. But at the same time, um, I highly doubt that the next cast of, you know, the bachelor or the bachelorette or whatever is going to be as diverse as that campaign wants it to be. Um, Just because of, you know, what the fans of the show really want to see, you know, and it's not like the fans of the show are going to, you know, hate the show or anything if, um, you know, it's more diverse. But I think that when it comes to how locked in the fans are going to get to the cast members, they're still going to get locked into the ones that are white because that's kind of what they that's that's like what they want to see on the show is you know I, I i mean and that's that's just my opinion i could be wrong but like i don't know how much that campaign is actually going to do when it comes to changing the show yeah that's totally fair you know what i mean because yeah. you, you just again like you have to look at it from if we were all sitting at a table with 20 people having a network meeting you're going to be like, okay, how do we tackle this problem? But how do we keep our ratings up at the same time? You know what I mean? Cause oh, it's yeah, about numbers. Yeah. Like it's, that's, yeah. there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. It's really about numbers. And like, that's what a lot of people, it sucks, but a lot of people that are going to jump on this movement, they're not going to understand that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's about money. <laughs> yeah. Um, numbers equal money. So there's gotta be a way where they can kind of keep both people happy and not take too big of a loss at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, they've, for almost 20 years, they've really leaned into cultivating the audience that they have. And so to now suddenly 
yeah. make a big change seems like a really bad business decision. They of course yeah. put themselves in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but yeah. now they're having to thread a very fine needle. Yeah, I mean, it, if you were the head of NASCAR and there was a big movement and somebody was like, I want NASCAR to be more diverse, they're going to be like, whoa, bro, like chill. Yeah, we'll work on it. Oh, it's funny because you know NASCAR I mean? is having a really rough time handling this. I yeah. know, but that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. think about you it. Know, like, the, look at they NASCAR made the, right the bold, bold move of banning the Confederate flag. Huge. So. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Who yeah. would have thought? People are shaking up. Shaking yeah. up. Yeah. God. A, they fi finally decided a hate symbol is not welcome. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. We definitely hear hear you speaking to that tension especially because so much of the production is is white what do you think about the the new bachelor that they announced matt james um i think it's cool i mean i think it's great i'm really interested to see um you know the the group of girls that they give him um mm -hmm. you know what i mean because it would almost be you know I, I think it's going to be probably the most diverse cast that they've had because you know there's going to be some girls that are going to be black. You know, there's going to be some girls that are going to be white and then there's going to be some other ones in there too, right? So I think it'll be, I think it'll be a very, I think it'll be the most diverse season um, so far, honestly, um, because they're definitely not going to give him 25 girls that are blonde. I hope you know, not. Really not hope not. Really hope not. I don't think they not. will. I, unless he yeah. specifically says that, which is a whole nother story. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what he likes, but like that's, I guarantee that it's going to be a diverse cast, I think. Yeah. I, I, I really think it's going to be all over the place, which is cool. Yeah. We're excited to see when casting is announced, um, what they come up with. Um, but why don't we why don't we turn to to what your life has been since being on the show? What are, what are you up to now? Can you catch us up a little bit on your career and and your everyday life? What's going on? Yeah, so um, I used to um, I used to own a social media marketing agency actually um, when you know after after all the shows and stuff like that and. When I started releasing music, um, I sold that agency and I started my own record label, actually. It's called uh, Trife Records. Um, and basically, you know, I've just been doing music um, and everything's been going really well. I've definitely been able to use, uh, you know, the Bachelor platform to get my music out there and to perform a lot of places that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to perform at had I not had, had you know, the opportunity to to be on all those shows and stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I actually have uh, some songs coming out relatively soon with some pretty big artists that, that I'm super excited about. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm super happy with the way that, that things have been over the past year with music and stuff. James Kennedy from uh, Vanderpump Rules actually is one of my best friends and I've been performing with him a lot. I mean, I was performing with him all over the country actually until, you know, the whole, quarantine thing happened and um, yeah he's been doing like all the official remixes of all my songs and stuff like that and it's been cool because like people kind of you know when I perform with James like they'll see James and then they'll see me and they'll be like oh wait like this is crazy you know what I mean <laughs> um, which is funny because it's like a whole <laughs> it's like a whole thing it's like there's not any people from reality besides like 
you know, people from like, you know, there's DJ Pauly D from like Jersey Shore, you know, he's, he's one of the yeah. guys that jumped from reality TV to music, but like most people don't do that. So it's like him, James and, and me, you know? So it's like people, people notice that um, when it comes to like, when, when we perform at venues and stuff like that, which is, it's always fun. Uh, that's so that's so much yeah. fun i mean are we gonna see you pop up on vpr half of their cast was just fired for racism so i think that they <laughs> you know might have some openings yeah i mean who knows right i mean um maybe you know i do i do <laughs> hang out with james a lot right maybe uh have to hit up andy andy on bravo yeah. to know you know what I, mean? I mean look but, uh, james had a glorious redemption arc so i'm i'm excited to see he did he did he came <laughs> back he's at he's he's sober now i'm super happy for him you know he's, he's everything's going well for him you know yeah it's good. that's that's awesome so before we let you go just let our listeners know where they can find you and your music yeah, um, you can find all my music on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Just search my name and uh, yeah, all, all my songs are there and uh, hope you guys like them. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guest, Grant Kemp, and our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to recap The Bachelor, the greatest seasons ever, plus more bonus episodes that you won't want to miss. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells... Amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.